Hi, my name is Michael Frank, and this is the Prefab Pod presented by Prefab Review, where we interview leading people and companies in the prefab and modular housing industry. Uh, today, I'm very excited to have Brian Gaudio, the founder of Module. Uh, so welcome to the podcast, Brian. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So you're the first, uh, we've done a handful of these, uh, but you're the first real startup that we've had on this. So I wanted to start by asking you, why did you start Module and what did that entail? So my co-founders and I started Module in early of 2016. And why we started it was, or, you know, my motivation really was I was trained as an architect, worked in the field and felt that the product that a lot of home builders and developers were putting out there in the market wasn't really in the best interest of today's home buyer. And so I saw this gap in the market where a lot of the developments specific to housing that were going up were really top of the market. It was really targeted toward a luxury audience. And there was this huge missing piece uh, for people who needed housing, couldn't afford sort of the architect, so to speak, architect design luxury product. Um, wanted something that was a little bit smaller than the typical home builder does, and they weren't being served. So we started to serve that need. And then ultimately, you know, our goal is to make really well-designed homes accessible to the average home buyer in the U.S. So what are their needs and how can we serve them? Um, so that's really why we're doing what we're doing. And how we got started was I was living abroad, actually, moved back to the city of Pittsburgh where I'm from. Moved in, you know, back to my childhood home, started working out of my parents' basement, working out of libraries and coffee shops. And then we slowly started to build our team from there. We participated in a local startup accelerator and just started to get our, get our funding under us in 2016. So it was, uh, you know, maybe not the glamorous startup life that people typically think about. Got it. That's cool. So, so, the, so it sounds like this, this is interesting because I thought that I read an article or two about you and thought that the key value proposition for you guys was really around sort of this house that sizes up with you. Um, but it sounds like your sort of at least first inspiration was actually more around kind of affordability and accessibility. Yeah. You know, the inspiration for this actually came around affordability came from working on a documentary film. So a friend and I, Abe Drexler, he's at Kieran, architect Kieran Timberlake. Um, he and I were just finishing up school and we were looking at, we had got this fellowship to go research the housing crisis and the most innovative solutions that were being developed around the housing crisis in cities in South America. So we traveled to Rio, Sao Paulo, Bogota, Lima, Santiago, interviewed architects, designers, governments. And they were, people were coming up with different sort of urban acupuncture projects and different concepts but one of the really interesting um, concepts that was being executed in these cities in South America was this idea of incremental housing. And there was this architecture firm there called Elemental um, that was doing this incremental housing work. And what that basically was, was in, in Santiago, they only had so much government subsidy um, to go build public housing. So with that little amount of subsidy, they could either build a house that was normal sized house with really, really poor quality materials, like the, the bottom of the barrel materials, or what they decided to do was build half of the square footage of a typical house, so half of a good house, but build it with really good materials. 
So they did that sort of, if you imagine just building half of a house, so kitchen, bathroom, and maybe a, a, a space to, to sleep in, then the residents would come in, live in the space, and then add on as their family grew, as their needs changed. So this incremental housing kind of pay-as-you-go, I thought was a really cool concept. And I said, how could we apply that in a different, in a completely different context in the U.S.? So that was sort of the inspiration for starting Module. And what we've learned as we've spoken to more customers and just delivered our first house to a customer is, um, what, while that's you know part of our value proposition is growing in your own space, there's actually a real huge need for people who are just looking for a smaller amount of space that's well-designed and it's super energy efficient. So um, that expandability component is part of our value proposition, but it's actually not what gets people in the door who you know sign up on our website. They just really want something that's, that they don't see themselves in the current market. So, cool. All right. So let's talk about um, like what you guys are actually building. Can you kind of explain the sort of this product, so to speak, or the kind of yeah different options um, buyers have, what they cost? Um, yes. Yeah. That'd be great. So, so we're live in Pittsburgh right now. We've gotten some requests from twenty some states and several countries about building a house there, um, which we will get to. Um, in the sort of midterm future. But for now, we're working in the city of Pittsburgh and we're delivering an infill, single family, two family, attached or detached product. And we will work with both modular manufacturers and panelized manufacturers. So 3D boxes or 2D wall panels. So we work with two types of manufacturers um, and we're delivering this infill housing solution our homes range from one bedroom, one bath, so around 650 square feet, up to three bedrooms, um, two baths, and that's about uh, 1,400 square feet. Then we even have this stacked duplex model where you can live above and then rent out a one-bedroom, one-bathroom home below, and I believe that one's around 1,700 square feet. Um, so we have a couple of different base models, but really our designs are targeted for the Pittsburgh infill vacant lot. Um, yeah. Interesting. And, so, oh, sorry. I was going to say, and why were our designs? So, the, most of our designs are sixteen. They can be sixteen or eighteen feet wide, but we've really sized them to the the vacant lots that exist in Pittsburgh. And in Pittsburgh, in our city, as a Rust Belt town, we have about twenty seven thousand vacant lots in the urban core. These aren't out like in farmland, you know, an hour away from the city. This is like five minutes to downtown vacant lot, and so. We have so many vacant lots because the steel industry left our city in the 80s and homes were torn down. So really, the customers that we're serving, we're helping them find a vacant piece of property, find the right starter unit, select that, select your lot, select your house, and then we will go coordinate the construction. Got it. So, you, so you're actually helping people find land as well? That's correct. Interesting. Um, and then what's the price point for, uh, for these? So our homes, like a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bathroom home, and the pricing is on our website, um, specific to Pittsburgh. But right now, that starting at price for our standard model is about $195,000, $200,000 for a two-bedroom unit. Now, that doesn't include your site work, foundation, and utilities and the cost of land. So we leave those out because those vary site-by-site, site, whether you want a slab on grade, you want a crawl space, or you want a full basement. What is, so what, what's the typical range on uh, site work in Pittsburgh? Um, so um, like I'd say in San Francisco, for example, yep. <laughs> it's, 
it's really expensive, but like, I don't know, I'd say it's typically like not the high end, right? It can be $200 a square foot. I assume it's not that in Pittsburgh. Um, so yeah, just, just curious. Yeah. We assume, you know, our kind of standard plug in there is around $50,000 for site work utilities, um, foundation. It can go up to, if you have a really bad site, you know, you can go up to a hundred thousand. Um, so that's kind of our range for site work right now. Um, in Pittsburgh, we have this combined sewer system. So we have one giant sewer pipe that sits under the, the roads and that's now illegal in most cities. And so, um, you know, typically you have separate stormwater and sewage, but we have a combined pipe that was built in wherever the 1700s, 1800s in, in Pittsburgh. Um, <clears throat> and so now every developer who does a new construction project has to dig from their property, two separate trenches, even though we have one combined sewer system, we have to dig two separate trenches to get to that in the event that hopefully in the future, the city adds another sewer pipe, um, to separate storm and sewer water. Got it. And then, so let's sort of talk through that process of, uh, building what parts does module take care of and what parts do, right. Basically people you work with or just other parties, do like yeah. are you working with third party manufacturers are you gcing or, or do buyers have to find their own gc or do you have a network of kind of local contractors how does yeah what what parts um does module sort of take care of and what parts do other people take care of so <clears throat> from the customer side we're essentially holding their hand through the entire process as a as a turnkey solution so they'll log on our website they'll fill out a form they give us some information about their current needs future needs financial health we take that data information and say, here's the house, here's the lot that makes sense for you and help them make those selections. Um, and then we coordinate the entire construction. And so people can actually fill out, you know, we have this web application on our website. If you don't own land, you can sign up and we actually have available lots um, that we believe are good fits for our product. So customers can view that. But in terms of what do we do in-house versus out-of-house, as a startup company, we had to be thoughtful about that. Because we're not a, you know, we're not a contractor or we're not someone who had started, you know, maybe flipping homes and moved into new construction. We started this as a startup company with the goal of building thousands of homes throughout the country. And, you know, compared to the typical software startup, you know, home building is much more capital intensive than, you know, the distribution channel for an app, right? Our distribution Mm -hmm. channel is actually going through zoning and permitting. It's not, you know, upload to... Uh, iOS. And so when we think about, you know, how do we apply a startup mindset to our company structure? It is instead of building our own manufacturing facility right out of the gate, we're working with third party manufacturers. Um, I know some of the other startups said, you know what, we're going to go raise 10 million bucks and we're going to get a factory and put some robots in that factory. They're going to build some houses. I don't think we will go there until we have probably 200 homes a year. If that stage, it, it makes us sense for us to have our own factory. But until then, we're working with third-party panel manufacturers and modular manufacturers. So our first home we built with a company called Bensonwood. They're a panel manufacturer out of New Hampshire. Yeah. So they do really high-quality passive house panel. They were our manufacturer. Um, but in terms of what we do in-house... We, just, we literally we just had them get, on, on the podcast. <laughs> you guys should. They're a great... Ted Benson is a, kind of like we, a folk we, did, we just had them, actually. Oh, really? Did yeah, you speak to exactly. Ted? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, very cool. Um, 
so our first home was built by them. And so it's really, really high quality in terms of the, you know, the insulation value, the quality of the windows and just the assembly. Anyway, so we work with third-party manufacturers. We work with third-party GCs. So we have a network of preferred contractors in the city of Pittsburgh that understand how offsite works and they care about, you know, passive house design principles. So that's kind of how we vetted our contractors in the Pittsburgh market. Um, so we will coordinate the manufacturer, we coordinate the contractor, and then we in-house will do a lot of the design work and take the customer from zoning approval. If they need a zoning variance, we'll do that, get them to building permits, and then we'll sort of stay on as a project manager throughout the construction of it in Pittsburgh, at least. Got it. Uh, so why, why do both panelized and modular, uh, meaning like, again, we've talked to a lot of prefab and modular companies and i'd say most people choose to do one or the other yeah uh yeah why why have options to do both what's the benefit of that so really what it's come down to is with certain sites in the city of pittsburgh you know there's some really if you've if you've ever visited pittsburgh there's these there's these mount washington which is this sort of giant hill and then there's three rivers um that sit um, within the valley. And so certain sites have really difficult site access. And for instance, on our first home, it was basically built, someone built, bought the vacant lot that sits behind their house. And the only way to access that lot was through an alley. And it was a 50 foot, 55 foot long building. And we could not get a box that was 55 feet long through that alley and through the power lines. And so from a panelized side, you know, our sort of units that we were picking up from the crane were a lot smaller. And that was one reason to go panelized on that project. Um, But why I I would say why we work with both modular and panelized projects is certain projects are a good fit for mod, certain are good fit for panelized. If a customer cares about pushing to passive house standards, then Bensonwood is the right manufacturer. If a customer is more price sensitive, then and they have a site that's fairly accessible, then modular makes sense. So we feel like the on the, at least on the single family residential detached, we can get a better per square foot cost on modular, but we can get to higher building performance standards on the panelized side. So it really depends on the the project need. Got it. Uh, is pricing the same? I mean, I know Bensonwood's definitely not the the cheapest manufacturer, the least expensive manufacturer out there. Um, um, no, pricing is different. And that depends, again, on the manufacturer that we use. Um, so for customers who are more cost sensitive, then we try to modularize that particular project um, and or help them select a site that makes sense for modular. If they want to push to go to Passive House, um, then Panelize could work for them. Cool. Um, when, uh, yeah, I'm pretty interested in sort of this sort of startup process. So you obviously had, and what, uh, if you don't mind saying what, what, uh, modular provider or providers are you planning to use just cause we talked to a lot of them. Um, well, the, and then the sort of second question yeah, is ahead. how did, how did you vet, uh, these companies mm-hmm. to decide who was the right fit for you? Wow. Um, so we've traveled a lot and visited a lot of manufacturing facilities on the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the menu, so we're working on our next project. It's a four unit mixed income housing project on vacant land that was owned by the public entities here in Pittsburgh. And for that project, we're going to work with a manufacturer called structural modulars, Inc SMI, and they do some high performance modular stuff. Um, all of our homes are designed to the department of energy, zero energy ready home program. 
And so it's this certification that the DOE puts out. So when we go to look at a, talk to a manufacturer, you know, as we're walking the line, we're looking at, you know, one for quality craftsmanship, two for if they're willing to be sort of, sort of bend on their typical wall assemblies, right? Some manufacturers are like, these are the boxes that we build. You got to build a two by four wall with X, Y, or Z, and that's it. But at our company stage right now, we need to be working with manufacturers who are okay going outside of the box of their typical um, assemblies and their typical processes. So really, that's what we're looking for when we're looking for a manufacturing partner. It's not necessarily that production modular uh, manufacturer. It, it's someone who understands quality um, and cares about energy performance. So we've walked you know, probably a dozen manufacturers throughout uh, and there's a ton in Pennsylvania, um, interestingly enough, because a lot of the Pennsylvania mod manufacturers are servicing customers in upstate New York. And it was just cheap right. to, to set up a factory in PA. So we toured a lot of them. We're members of the, or we um, have been participating in the National Association of Home Builders. They have a building systems council. And a lot of the modular manufacturers are members of that particular kind of industry group. Got it. Um, cool. Uh, and then... Uh, have you, so how do, how do, how are customers finding you and how many, I, I know you, you guys recently built your first house, right? How many houses are you planning to build this year? Say? So we did just finish our first home, um, in Pittsburgh on a vacant lot. It was 880 square feet, one bed, one bath. Um, we plan to build at least or start construction on at least another four this year. Um, and we have several other projects in kind of that we'll call it the pre-construction pipeline where they're going through zoning approval land acquisition, but at least four units. Got it. Cool. Um, and then, uh, let's see, what was my other question? Let's, um, yeah. And, uh, how are customers finding you? Um, they find us various ways. You know, we've had as a startup company, we've been able to leverage, um, our story. And so we've been written up on Forbes, TechCrunch, um, Builder Magazine. A lot of publications have written about this concept, right, of module, right-sized, um, expandable housing. And so I think um, people read about us through that and will come to our website. Um but then I would say the a lot of folks end up Googling prefab homes, find our, our way to our website. And then the other thing that we've been doing is we've been hosting some events in Pittsburgh. So we host an event every year called Defining the Future of Housing. Um, and we get some folks to speak about the future of construction, the future of real estate development, energy efficiency. And our every year we have about 100 to 150 people attend that event. And that's been a good way to showcase our you know we just had it after we finished our first home so it's a good way to get people through um the house that we just built and then also to just talk about where the industry is headed so we were fairly active in hosting larger events like our future housing event and then some of the smaller things we just do regionally here in pittsburgh as well got it cool um and then finally um it, on, at least on the modules questions uh have you guys considered just being a developer right like do i assume these homes probably if you're building them at an affordable cost, they probably pencil, meaning like the uh, cost of land plus the cost of construction is probably lower than the uh, whatever the ARV or the after repair value. 
have you considered doing that as a way of kind of just uh, scaling faster versus having consumers working with consumers sort of before versus after you're on the money there. Um, The next four units that we're building, we will act as developer on. So we see the ability to scale, you know, while some people think ability to scale, let's set up a manufacturing facility and let's try to start pumping out homes. We see it as how do we get customers faster? And that is by going out and being a developer. Um, Because the customer may come through your door and they may like, oh, I love the Moonlighter, right? Your your three-bedroom home. and But I don't have land yet. So that customer who was a lead turns into just an opportunity, um, a missed opportunity. Or I don't have enough money to pay for my own my rent right now while also exactly. financing. So if we, if we want to... So how, how, so how are you guys financing that? So we're going through a construction lending process and we worked with the, you know, the Urban Redevelopment Authority of Pittsburgh to acquire property. Um, and so we're hoping to start construction on that project in the fall. So we had to go talk to traditional construction lenders and as a startup company, they're like, so how, what's your track record look like? Like, well, we built this one right. house. It's really beautiful. You should go right. look at it. Um, so we we are starting. But, but to you're investing the you're investing the equity out of your corporate balance sheet. Um, we have several sources that we're using for that equity. Yeah, but it's different than you know the typical startup investor, the startup uh, mentality where you know the the folks who raising financing for a real estate project is quite different than raising financing for a startup venture right the risk profile totally. but so right so, so that means you're, you're potentially using off balance sheet it's not like you're sorry this is my startup nerd talk, but it means you're not like people who invest in your startup that's not necessarily the same pool of capital correct. as is investing in these projects correct got it that makes sense um yeah just because the, the return profile is pretty different as you were saying yeah and, and you'd be surprised that when you speak to startup investors right and they're like willing to believe and take a chance on some company in Pittsburgh who built one home. They're like, yeah, we'll put in money to go build a thousand, you know, you guys can build a thousand homes. That's totally feasible. You go to those same types of investors and you say, Hey, we're just going to build four houses right over there. Here's the sale price. It's actually a better deal than most of the new construction that's going up. They're like, "Eh, I don't know. That seems risky. It's pretty funny. Right. Like the, the, the mentality. Yeah, I think it's just different risk profiles, right? Like, it, you're probably not going to 100x your, uh, <laughs> your your housing thing, and I guess maybe maybe you'll do that with your company. Yeah, um, but that's cool. That, that makes total sense. Uh, in terms of uh, just moving away from module, we sort of do a quick fire round on these. Uh, it's awesome to hear about module, but it's also good to sort of tap into experts like you uh, about the industry. So uh, just we'll give you a, a quick couple of questions, um, you know, try to answer each in a minute or less if you can. Uh, so I guess the first question is for like a prefab startup like yours, what is, what's your business model look like? Like, are you making, yeah, basically where are you making margin? Uh, a lot of companies I've talked to make like 10% margin on manufacturing and a little bit on labor. Uh, but obviously you guys aren't doing manufacturing. So how does that look? So our business model, this, you know, we sort of have two types of models, right? One is the custom build on your lot. And so essentially we have a design build contract with them. And so you have your margin on the design build side. Um, mm-hmm. We typically have a phase one design contract, and then we turn that into a build contract. So that's the one business model for the individual, you know, 
home buyer who has property already. For the spec mm-hmm. development, it's essentially, you know, go raise the equity, go get the construction financing, and then you're making your margin on the end sale price to the customer. Um, so that's sort of two business models. I see in the future, this is sort of in the long-term future, is once we develop our own tools, our digital platform that we're building out right now and our network of manufacturers, we could license those tools to other builders and developers who are working in other similar markets in these tier two, tier three cities. But that's not a business model we're exploring right now. For now, it's like the one-off homes, so design contract and then a build contract. And then for the home buyer who wants to go buy a finished home that's one of our spec homes, it's just you know a margin on the sale price. Right. Um, how long does the prefab process take um, with, let's say, a motivated buyer um, in uh, Pittsburgh? Um, when you say the prefab process, can you... Sorry, how long does the process from I, I bought a piece of land Got to it. I'm in my home take? So the only reference point I have is our first customer. Um, so we signed a, a phase one contract with them believe it was we started working with them in January of 2018 and we so we had a sort of our we had to go get zoning approvals zoning variances permits building permits and then started construction by demolishing the, there was a garage on the property so demolished the garage late October of 2018 and then we're finished with construction in April of 2019 so it was about a 6 month construction process the actual walls went up in two days. You know that was the fastest part of it. Um, but I think it was around six months for construction, and then we had sort of had our first engagement with them. Our phase one contract, I believe, was in January of 2018, and then we officially started construction in October. Got it. As a first customer, uh, we hope that that process gets faster for our future customers. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, also for, so for buyers tips on getting financing, um, yeah, I, I assume you're going to help buyers with that or maybe yeah. won't, but, uh, do you, yeah. have, do you have suggestions on how they can do that? So we actually spoke to a series of banks and met several lenders at these industry events, right? So that NAHB building systems council, there's a bunch of lenders that hang out cause they specialize in modular residential construction loans. And so we've just met a series of lenders, um, there's a one particular uh, loan officer from Citizens Bank who does work nationally. There's a group called One Trust Home Loans that's out of the West Coast that does specific to modular. So there's several lenders who like want to specialize in modular construction. So we have them pre-qualified customers. And we also have some local banks as well that we work with. Got it. Have you found a, a good way for I – mean, so again, we work with – say we have about 200 – um, we have a concierge service and we have about maybe a hundred to 200 clients a month. Have you figured out a way that works well in Pittsburgh for buyers to be able to finance land mm. and the construction together? It's one of the th- issues we, we find all the time. Like, do you do a land loan and then double close or yeah. yeah have you guys dealt with that? Yeah, that, that's tough. So, you know, our first client, they purchased the land already. And so we, right. they were only doing the fine. When people purchase the land with cash, it's a little easier. Exactly. There is a bank that we that we spoke to locally that will do a one close, you know, so for a pre-sale, for instance. So let's say we have a property going up in Lawrenceville in Pittsburgh, one of the hotter neighborhoods, and market it on Zillow as a pre-construction sort of listing. And 
there is a way with this particular bank to do a single close. There's a contract for the land and a contract for the build. And those are two separate contracts, but the, it's closed as one uh, at the closing. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy to share that particular lender's yeah. information with you if you want to chat Probably. with that. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, just, just curious, and this is going beyond fire on top. Uh, does the, uh, does that, do you guys have permitting on that beforehand? Uh, cause generally mm-hmm. like what we see is one permitting, there's no problem. Yeah, good. Good. It's a good question. I, they were talking about another project they did where they didn't, that builder who had that land contract and the build contract did not have building permits at the, at that point. And that can get dicey a little bit, right? The whole timing of that. So I don't know the, yeah. the, the right answer there. But I, I remember yeah. that that particular project, there was a, it was a spec home project that was being pre-sold, and they, and the builder didn't have the permits yet, but it was sort of contingent on them getting those. It, I don't know. It's like, what do you, which domino do you knock first, right? Totally. It's, yeah. No. If I, I'm hoping more lenders do it though, I, uh, that we're able to find, and because it would it would help buyers get into more of these homes. And it, it seems like they should be able to because most of these construction lenders are, you know, giving money as, as draws anyway. Mm-hmm. So, right, like you sort of have to hit checkpoints either way um, along the course of right? Like it's not like they're getting lump sum installments. Gotcha. Um, but uh, we'll see. Uh, all right. Last fire on questions. Um, what do you see as the major trade-offs between kind of custom versus non-custom um, when it comes to, uh, yeah, house building? Time and cost custom it's going to cost more it's going to take longer um i would say it costs more on the manufacturing free as well or mostly just on the the design contract mostly on the design contract i would say i mean our first project was panelized so that we had the opportunity to do a bit more custom stuff inside the home and Mm -hmm. you know the question is as a home as a prospective home buyer what things do you value you know, it, are you someone who wanted to be an architect when you were younger and this is your opportunity to do that? Then maybe, you know, and you have the budget to do it, then then custom might make sense. But if you're on sort of more of a practical time pinch, then, you know, trying to hold back is, is really important and, be, and working with the right builder who understands where you are as a buyer and what your needs are, I think is really important. Um, that's... That's what I would say. I think you can have a non-custom but beautifully designed space. Just because you've customized something doesn't mean it's better designed. It means it's been customized. Right. That makes sense. Um, Well, Brian, it's been amazing having you on this podcast. Uh, We ask everyone the same final question, and that's what are you most excited about sort of for your company or the industry um, for the near future? Let's see. I'm most excited about... Well, one, working on this mixed income housing project with the city of Pittsburgh, we have a nonprofit partner. Um, so we're being co-developed with this nonprofit to deliver one of our homes to an affordable buyer. So that's really exciting because that hits at the core of our mission. Um, so that's one thing I'm really excited about. And then the other is this conversation we had at our offsite, um, not literally offsite construction, but our sort of strategic offsite uh, with our management team and, and thinking about how to decommoditize housing and real estate. You know, we look at um, coffee and beer are these two things that people now, you know, it used to be in Pittsburgh, you got an Iron City Light or you got a Yingling. 
And now there's all these other options for people and people understand quality. So I'm excited for to, to do the same thing, but on the housing side, um, on the residential housing side to sort of decommodify that and, and show the true value of a really well-designed, thermally comfortable space for customers. So that's what I'm excited about. That's awesome. Well, Brian, thanks again. Um, I don't think we can have enough sort of smart, um, innovative people working um, in this space. So it's great that you are. Um, for people listening, if you want to learn more about Module, modulehousing.com. We're obviously at prefabreview.com. Um, thanks again, Brian. Uh, best of luck. Thanks you. Enjoyed being